Thank you for David and Sarah, them opening up their home and using their talents and their gifts uh, to continue to help us function and uh, move the ball down the field, so to speak. I pray that your word uh, is uh, spoken correctly and appropriately today, and I pray that it has the power to convict us and prepare us for what we need to do. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for guiding us. Um, and God, continue just to, to bless our words and, and temper them well. We love you. It's in your name we pray. Amen. <clears throat> okay. And three. Good morning, Origins, and happy Mother's Day. For all the moms out there, we just want to say thank you for all that you do. I'm sure in the preceding weeks and the weeks to come, you're doing more than you've done recently, and so for that, we are grateful. I know that your children are grateful as well. Um, if you are a regular attender to Origins, uh, there's a good chance that you've already gotten an email, or you will shortly, um, that will link you to a special treat, um, a video. And so be on the lookout for that. And if you don't get it, let us know. Um, but we hope that you enjoy it. And thank you for all that you do. Uh, this week, uh, we, are, we are aiming for brief. Um, and we are, we're also doing communion at the end. So hopefully you have your communion stuff uh, together. If you do not, there'll be a break in a bit that you can run and grab that. Not a long break. Um, if you press your pause button, you can have a really long break. That's a a luxury you don't have on Sundays. But either way, we'll be doing that at the end. Uh, today, we're continuing our series in 1 Peter. Last week, we kicked it off, just this idea of hope for the scattered. Um, very appropriate uh, time for this book. Uh, we have a lot of things in common with the people that Peter was talking to. Uh, they were non-Jewish believers, and they were just kind of all over the place. They weren't necessarily exiled for political reasons, but just by nature of where they lived. And they weren't experiencing persecution from a governmental level necessarily, but they were experiencing just day-to-day -day testing and trials and, and just the struggles of being people that were open with their faith. So today we're going to continue with that. Um, and we're going to recap a little bit as we go. Um, but today we're going to be in chapter 1, verses 13 through 25. And here's the goal for the day. I, I just want us to see uh, what the text says. That's it. That should be our goal every week, hopefully, um, if we're being good, obedient students of Scripture. But today, really, like, uh, there's no need to add to a lot or take away anything. We shouldn't do that uh, on a regular basis anyway. But today, the Scripture is just going to be very clear, and that's our goal. I'm going to pray, and we're going to jump right in. Uh, God, we love you. We thank you today for your word. We thank you, God, that your word is alive because you are. We thank you that it is uh, there to guide us and push us because that's what you desire for it to do. And I pray that our hearts would be ready to listen today and that our minds would be ready to learn and that we would be willing to submit to the authority of Scripture today. Thank you for all that are able to watch. Um, thank you for family uh, that we can count on even while we are apart. And God, we look forward to the day to where we can be together bodily. But until that time, God, thank you uh, that we can know that we're together in unity. Uh, we love you. We thank you. And it's in your name I pray. Amen. I'm going to read verses 13 through 25. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and open those up. Read it with us. Um, reading from the ESV, but whatever translation you have this morning will be fine. So chapter 1, verse 13. It says, Therefore, preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance, but as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. Since it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. And if you call on him as father who judges impartially according to each one's deeds, conduct yourselves with fear throughout the time of your exile, knowing that you were ransomed from the futile ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things such as silver or gold, 
but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. He was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but was made manifest in the last times for the sake of you, who through him are believers in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory so that your faith and hope are in God, having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth for a sincere brotherly love, love one another earnestly from a pure heart, since you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and abiding word of God. For all flesh is like grass and all its glory like the flower of the grass. The grass withers and the flower falls, but the word of the Lord remains forever. And this word is the good news that was preached to you. Like we talked about last week, the point of 1 Peter is to encourage and prepare. Last week we did. We looked at this idea of there's great encouragement in the gospel. We looked at there is encouragement in the fact that uh, God saves. It's him, not us, that an inheritance awaits. Uh, God protects and that we can be glad in the good, in the bad, and in the testing. And when we start this passage today, there's one of these words that as Bible teachers, as pastors, as students of the word, we always need to pay attention to. It begins in verse 13 with therefore. And we have to understand that everything we're about to read is a result of what we looked at last week. This idea that God, it is God who saves. It's not us. Um, it is, there is an inheritance awaits. And I, I talked about my struggle with that. If you missed it, go back and listen. And just that God protects. And in this, we can be glad. Um, so today, all of this is just the response to the encouragement that is brought to us in the fullness of the gospel, what rests in the gospel, the fact that we have been made whole with God, connected to God, reconciled to God now and forever, and what awaits us is this inheritance that is uh, incalculable, that is amazing. It's more than we can imagine, and it's real. And so today, it starts off in verse 13, Peter talking to those who were scattered all about, and he says, therefore... Preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. If we're reading this in Greek, um, it's hearkening back to something that was mentioned in Job. It's also something that would have been mentioned to soldiers. But basically, it's saying, therefore, gird your loins or gird the loins of your mind. Basically, it's saying, prepare your minds for battle. Put on the battle gear. Um, back then, for them to gird their loins, basically it literally meant put on armor. Put on the things that you will need to go into battle. Get yourself ready. Grab the things that you will need. Grab the supplies. Grab the armor and be ready. Um, for a modern day soldier, it would be body armor, a battle helmet, uh, a firearm, all those things. Get the stuff that you need uh, for what's about to come. For us, we have to understand that what awaits us is not a battle of flesh and blood, according to Ephesians 6, 12, um, but we are fighting against the prince and the powers of the world that we are in, and it's a spiritual battle. So basically, everything that we're going to read, uh, it is therefore, it is, it is here, we're responding to the encouragement that we read last week, but we're being told, be prepared. And, and what's to follow is just some of these ideas, the ways that we can be prepared or the things that we need to go forward for what is about to come. And again, this is not about necessary political persecution or deep and long drawn out trials or anything, but it's just the day-to-day -day life that we experience as a result of following Jesus. The good, the bad, the tests, the trials, the, the circumstantial persecution, all of those things. The following is just, hey, here's how we are to be prepared. So it says, gird your loins, grab the things that you need, prepare your minds. And this is the first way. 
It says, and being sober-minded or thinking clearly, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation or the return, the coming of Jesus Christ. It says for us to think clearly about what is to come. The very first thing that we need to do, like we talked about a little bit last week, is we need to think clearly and dwell on the inheritance that is to come. Dwell on the inheritance that is to come. And I talked about my struggle a little bit last week that it's hard for me to do that sometimes uh, because I feel like it almost, it's so good and it's going to be so amazing that maybe it distracts me from what I need to do now. But here, like we talked about last week, it's here for a reason. It's telling us that we need to think about this. We need to be sober-minded. We need to think clearly about this on the inheritance that is to come. It says, set your hope or your expectations, your wonderful expectations, fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus. We get to experience kind of two types of grace. We get to experience the grace in the now, the idea that we have been made right with God where we are now, but also that grace will be fully realized at the return of Jesus or when we're brought back together with him fully um, in heaven and to dwell eternally there and in the new earth. Uh, we had a very physical example of this this week in our home. And, and every pastor knows that the reason we have children is to uh, use them for illustrations. And so my oldest son, uh, this week we decided to teach him like a, a monetary and responsibility lesson. And so he, he, he didn't have a whole lot of money, but there's a toy that he wanted really bad. And he's told us about it. We, I don't know. It's a Lego big figure. And it's the Hulk from a particular Thor movie. He wanted it really bad. And he wanted it so bad, he's like, I just want to go online and search for it and find it and see if I can buy it. And so he finds it, and he doesn't have enough money. And so what we said is, okay, Caleb, well, we're going to teach you a lesson this week. Um, what we're going to do is I am going to purchase that for you with the expectation uh, that you are going to do certain things as a result of the goodness I'm showing you now by buying this. And, and it will be fully realized when this thing arrives. And so what Caleb got to experience is he got to experience like the grace in the now, the fact that his father was willing to pay for something. This couldn't have worked out any better. This is like one of those Max Licato illustrations. Uh, he gets to experience the presence of uh, grace now and the fact that his dad is paying for something that he couldn't afford. I'm paying for this toy in advance. And he knows that it's coming. And so that should almost motivate him to do certain things. One of the things that we talked about is he's going to learn to cut the grass. He's only nine. He doesn't know how to do it yet, but he's going to apprentice dad. We're going to go out and we're going to cut the grass. He's going to watch me do it. He's going to practice a little bit. I'm going to critique him. I'm going to cut some more. He's going to pick up things. He's going to do stuff. He's going to learn to cut the grass. But he's motivated by the fact that grace in the now paid for this toy, but the grace will be fully realized when the toy arrives in several weeks because it's coming from an Asian country. And so he gets to experience this the same way that we do. Like we get to experience the grace in the now, the fact that we have been made right with God, but that grace will be fully realized down the road when we're brought and made whole with God. Sin is gone, struggle is gone, strife is gone, war is gone, all of those things are gone. The only thing that exists is the goodness of God and we get to rest in that for the rest of eternity, which never ends. And so thinking on that, dwelling on that, the reason that we dwell on that is because it should motivate us to live in a certain way, the same way in which the promise of that toy arriving motivates my son to live in response to that, we should be motivated in such a way to live in response to that. That is why we dwell on the inheritance that awaits, because it motivates us. It 
pushes us to respond and love and live in a certain way based on the grace we experience now and the grace that will be fully realized down the road. It should motivate us. It should push us. It's not a carrot that's being dangled. No, it's the promise of the fullness of God that we will get to live in for eternity. And that should push me. That should push you. That should motivate us to be more, to think better, to to dig a little deeper on a daily basis. And then the very next verse, after doing that, he says, being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Christ Jesus. Verse 14, it says, as obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance. The next thing that we're being told after dwell on the inheritance, let it motivate us, is this next thing is understand that you are not your past. If you are in Christ, you are a new creation. Praise the Lord. Praise God. I'm not who I once was. You are not your past. It says, as obedient children, do not be conformed or do not be shaped by the passions of your former ignorance. Do not let those things that used to identify you shape you now because you didn't know any better. You are not your past. Maybe today you need to hear. You are not that person that you used to be if you have given your life over to God through Jesus by grace through faith. You are not that person anymore. Can you learn lessons from that person? Absolutely, but you are not that person anymore. You are no longer identified by those sins. You're no longer identified by those struggles. Now you're just identified by Jesus and Jesus alone. He is your identity. Live in that. If that is you, uh, you need to understand that uh, you didn't know any better back then, but you do now. Let what you know now inform your actions, your thoughts, your motives, your responses. You are not your past. Be prepared. Be prepared for what lies ahead by not living in the behind. That's a huge deal. I think one of the ways that Satan wants to disrupt our usefulness to God and our obedience to God is he constantly brings up the failures of our past and wants us to be identified by those. He wants those to be markers of who we are now. We have to understand and we have to accept we are not that person anymore. We are not our past. God redeemed us from our past, brought us into our present to give us a future. Woo, that's big, that's big. You're not your past. We continue, verse 15, it says, But as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all of your conduct. Since it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. Uh, Hearkening back to a Levitical idea that we are to be holy because God is holy. The The other thing that we need to understand is that we are not our past. We are our present so that we may have a future. We need to be distinct, be different, be set apart. God didn't redeem us so that we could stay the same. He didn't redeem us from our past and bring us to a present so that we could have a future so that we could be our past. You're not your past. We are a new creation in God that is amazing and it's a promise and it's a truth. And so we need to be distinct. We need to be different. We need to be set apart. That is what holy means, to be set apart. And then it not only says to be set apart, but it says, be holy for I am holy. Understand that our standard as a result of not being who we are, who we were before, but being who we are now in Jesus, our standard has changed. Our yardstick has changed. Our method for measuring has changed. Benchmarks have changed. We have a brand new one. And that standard is God. Be holy for I am holy. Be different for I am different. Or be different like me. And man, that's hard. 
because we want a lot of other things to inform our standards. We want the behavior of others to perform to inform our standards. Uh, we want the, uh, the media to inform our standards. We want education to inform our standards. But at the end of the day, it must be God that informs our standards and God alone. And so that means we must submit. That means we must work to figure out who he is, what his standards are. But he says, you be different because I am different, or you be different as I am different, set apart, distinct, holy. God's the standard. Maybe your, uh, maybe your need in this is that uh, you need to ask God to change your mind. You need to kind of go into like a Romans 12, 1 and 2 idea. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Do not be conformed to the pattern of this world anymore, but be transformed. Maybe you just need to stop and say, God, my standard has not yet changed. I want it to change. Change my standard. Change the way I measure. Change the way I, I think, I act, I love. Let my standard be the standard that is you. Maybe today you just need to ask, God, change my standard. Change my standard. And, I, and I'll go ahead and warn you. It will change what you do with your money. It will change what you do with your time. It will change what you do with your job. It will change how you think about your home. It will change how you think about your neighbor, how you think about your kids, how you think about your spouse, how you think about your future. It can change everything, just like a good standard should. Just like a good measuring basis should, if God is our standard, not the world. He says, for you... Um, but as he who has called you holy, you are also to be holy in all your conduct, in all your conduct, in all your behavior. Yes, God does desire to change our behavior. Why? Because he first changes our heart, and what comes out of our heart is our behavior, changes our heart, changes our mind, so that what comes out changes. If it hasn't changed, we need to ask why. If it hasn't changed, we need to ask why, and it's probably because our standard has yet to change. God change our standards. We go on to verse 17, and it says, If you call on him as father who judges impartially according to each one's deeds, conduct, your, conduct yourselves with fear throughout the time of your exile. A couple things here. We need to understand that it's not talking about judgment based on eternal judgment, whether or not you will be with God. That's already been solidified. Again, this is talking about the standard. It's saying this, that we need to uh, know that we're going to be held to this new standard. That what we do matters. It's not saving us, but it is revealing that we have been saved. It's not uh, granting us a right to know God, but it's revealing the fact that we have been unified with God. And it says, know this. Know this. Uh, you need to call on him as father who judges impartially according to each one's deeds. Conduct yourselves with fear throughout the time of your exile. The exile just being the time that we're here on earth. Uh, once we're united with God in that future inheritance, uh, it's not going to be the same deal because no more, no more temptation, no more sin, no more of those things. They're not going to be there. But while we're here, they do exist. The trials do exist. The temptation does exist. And it says, look, if you've called on God as Father, understand He is holding you to a higher standard. That standard's Him. And you're going to be accountable for that standard. How He's going to reward us, man, that's yet to be seen. And scripture uses things like crowns and our, 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 I mean, jewels and the crowns that we get when we go to heaven. Uh, maybe that's metaphorical. Maybe it's literal. We won't know until we get there. But granted, uh, he's going to judge us, hold us to a standard impartially, not because of who we are, but because of what we do as a result of who we know and who we know is him through Jesus. We're going to be held to a standard. And if you don't like being held to a standard, then 
Let me rephrase that, I statements. If I don't like being held to a standard, that means that I probably haven't looked fully on God and understand what he's asking me to do. He's asking me to be different. He's asking me to be distinct. He's asking me to be set apart because he is. And so I should learn to accept it. And if I struggle with that, it's human, but it's nothing the spirit of God that's in me can't overcome to get me to that place. It's, it's a mark of maturity. Can we do that? Know that we will be held to this new standard. And then it says this too, continuing on in verse 17, it says, conduct yourselves with fear throughout the time of your exile. This fear is one of these words that trips people up in scripture. It's not this, I'm scared to death, but it's this idea of holy reverence towards God. Understanding that he made all, uh, he set everything in motion, he keeps it in motion, he has all the power ever. Power is his, he is power. And understand that when we are living in this life, we should live in respect and in awe and in wonder in that sense, in fear of God, knowing that he's holding us to a standard. He's created all things. He is all things. In him, all things are made and kept. And so that should give us like an attitude of, wow, you're it. You're the author of my life. You're the one that I'm submitting to. You're the one that I'm yielding to. And so, yeah, in that sense, it's fear that kind of fear. Continuing on uh, in verse 18, it says, knowing that you were ransomed from the futile ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things such as silver and gold, but with the pre precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. He was foreknown before the foundations of the world, but was made manifest to us in the last times for the sake of you who through him are believers in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory so that your faith and hope are in God. The next way that we prepare, that we gird the loins of our mind is that we need to remember. Remember the price that was Jesus and it was the highest price ever paid once. And not only that, but you were bought and you were brought out of where you were before. You were bought with that high price and you were brought out of where you are before. Going back to this idea of you are not your past, you are called to be distinct and different and separate and holy. Man, one of the ways in which we prepare ourselves is we remember the price, remember where we came from, and remember where we've been brought to. And it's huge. I think very often, at least for me, and I won't put it on you, but the battle against the world and the world's desires, the what the world wants for me but versus what God wants for me, a majority of the time, it's in my mind. A majority of, my, majority of the time, the battle rests in here uh, well before it works itself out in my behaviors. And I, I bet it's probably the same for you. It's how we think about things. Here, it's just saying, remember. Remember the fact that you were ransomed. You were paid for. You were bought with a very high price and you were brought out of where you were before and placed where you are now so that you can have a future. Remember those things. Let that exercise begin in your mind and just call to memory the fact that Jesus paid for you. Jesus, I love the old hymn of Jesus paid it all. And he did for you and for me because we couldn't pay it ourselves. No one could. It was only the spotless lamb. It was only the perfection of Jesus that's worth far more than silver 
and gold and anything else. The priceless life of Jesus paid for my salvation, paid for your salvation, if we just believe. Repent and believe. It's a high price. And this is not to bring guilt. It's to not bring this sense of, God, I can never pay you back. As a matter of fact, it's to, it is that, God, I can never pay you back, but you don't ask me to. You just ask me to live in response. To live in response. That's a big deal. Continuing on after this idea of remembering, um, verse 22 through 25, it says, Having purified your souls by obedience to the truth, these things that just came before this statement, it says, For a sincere brotherly love, love one another earnestly from a pure heart. Since you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and abiding word of God. In quoting an Old Testament idea, for all flesh is like grass and all its glory like the flower of the grass. The grass withers and the flower fails, falls, but the word of the Lord remains forever. And this word is the good news that was preached to you. It's saying all of these things that you have done uh, preceding this idea or are doing right now, since you have done those, your soul is being purified, you're being sanctified by your obedience to the truth. Now live like a family together forever. That idea of brotherly love, understanding that the same price that was paid for me was paid for my brothers and sisters in Christ. That same gospel that was realized in me you know, because of Jesus was realized by them. And now we're together. This idea of brotherly love. Uh, love one another earnestly from a pure heart. A heart that hasn't been purified by my good deeds, but by the very best deed of Jesus. It's been purified, and now I get to love one another like that. I get to love like Jesus. We get to love like Jesus. So it says, prepare yourselves. And this is that kind of this last idea before Peter moves on what we would call chapter 2. But just prepare yourselves and do it by loving one another. We have a life sitting in front of us, a life that we are called to live for the glory of God. And we do need to be prepared. Yes, encouragement is amazing, but we need to think well about these ideas, the things that God has given us so that we can live this life, so that we can live this life for His glory and the growth of the kingdom and the growth of those inside the kingdom. And he says, prepare yourself, gird the loins of your mind. Start by dwelling on your inheritance. Let it motivate you. Understand that you are not your past. Be distinct, be different, be set apart because God is, be like Him Know that we are held to this new standard that is God. Remember the price that was paid for you, where you were brought from, and what has bought you, and where you are now. And then, as a result of all of these things and the gospel that's alive and well, live as family. Live as family. We've all been bought by the same price, for the same glory, for the goodness of God. Man, today we can celebrate that. We can celebrate that and we can celebrate the fact that, um, yes, God desires to change us. Yes, God desires to use us. Um, but he's also telling us how he wants to do these things. And so we want to thank God for that. Uh, I'm going to pray and uh, we're going to move into a time of communion. I'll explain that in a moment. Um, but we'll even give you a few moments in between the time that I pray and in, the time that, in between the time that we introduce it for you to pray, for you to gather the things that you need if you don't have them yet. Um, but yeah, let's do that. God, we love you. We thank you so much for your word today. We thank you 
God, that you tell us to be prepared, but then you tell us how we need to be prepared, what we need to do. God, thank you for the goodness that rests in the gospel. Thank you for the goodness that is Jesus. Thank you, God, that the price that was paid for us is incalculable and we could never pay it back and you don't ask us to. God, thank you for the grace that we can realize in the now, but God will fully realize when we're united with you in new body and spirit. Thank you for that promise. Um, God, while it's hard for us to imagine, you tell us that it's there and that we should think on it, that we should dwell on it. Thank you for that. I pray that it does motivate us. I pray that it does push us. God, I pray that it, it moves us to be more, to be different, to be distinct, to be holy like you are holy. God, I thank you for a people who have agreed uh, together that we are called to a mission for this city, to see uh, every man, woman, and child have repeated opportunities to hear and respond to the gospel. God, I thank you that you have called us to make disciples who love God, love one another, and love this city. God, I pray that we would be prepared that we would be ready. Thank you for the opportunity to live in such a time as this when so many people need you and you are calling on us to tell them. God, I pray you go before us. Pray you continue to equip us. And God, I pray you guide us. And it's in your son's name we pray. Amen. So in just a moment, uh, we're going to take communion. Um, hopefully you, you've gotten your stuff together or you have it in your home that you can grab it in a minute. Um, just to kind of point out why we do this. Um, number one, we do this so that we can remember that price. We can remember Jesus uh, told his disciples the first time, he said, when you take this bread and when you take this fruit of the vine, remember my body that was broken for you, my blood that was spilled on your behalf. Um, and so we remember that price. We celebrate the fact that because of Jesus, we can be made right with God. But also we celebrate the fact that he's coming again, just like this, the inheritance, the inheritance that will be realized when Jesus returns. Here it says his revelation or him being revealed fully to us. We celebrate the fact that he comes back. But not only that, we get to do it together. And so while we're not technically arm in arm today or shoulder to shoulder in one building, I do believe that we are together in purpose and in passion and we're unified in that. And so today know that there's a family that is scattered and we all hopefully want the same thing. And so over the next little while, um, I would ask that you pray. Uh, scripture goes on to tell us that when we, take scripture, uh, when we take communion, we need to be prepared to do so. If you're a follower of Jesus, that's the first step. Uh, you need to be someone who has given your life to Jesus, uh, who has turned from your sin, turned to Jesus because he's better. You have trusted in his life, his death, his words, and his resurrection uh, to be made right with God. That's the first, first qualifier. The second is this. If we are a follower of Jesus, we need to be in, in good standing with the Father. That means that we don't need to have any sins in us that are unconfessed or undealt with. So in the next little while, if you need to uh, just confess some sin to God, to deal with that before Him, before you can take, take communion, that's fine. As long as that pause button needs to be pressed, is good with us. And so uh, we'll get back together in just a minute. So gather your things, pray, and there'll be some scripture that'll pop up too to direct your hearts as well. Sorry, my phone's vibrating. Oh, that's fine. Luckily, you were speaking pretty much every time it did, so it's it'll get drowned out. I thought you were being loud. <clears throat> it wasn't like one of those super quiet moments, you know, where you're like, this is big, this is huge. Bar, bar. And then you sit there for like, yeah, 10 bar, seconds bar. or something. Okay, we're good on time. 
And I guess we can just keep that music playing this whole time. Yeah, so yeah. I'll try to get it done. Well, well, yeah, because I think, what was it, like three minutes and 30 seconds? Something like that, 350. Okay. So yeah. just depending. I mean, I can always try and loop part yeah. of it, too. Okay. <clears throat> I'm just going to start with prayer. Okay. Dear God, we thank you that we can celebrate Jesus today, uh, that we can celebrate his body that was broken on our behalf, his blood that was spilled for us, so that we could know you, so that we could be made right with you now and forever. God, as we do this as a family, I pray that we celebrate together, even while we're apart. Um, and God, we do look for, forward to the fact that uh, Jesus is coming back. We will celebrate that as a family as well. Um, and God, thank you for the reminder today. So Jesus took the bread and he gave it to his disciples and he ate of it. And he said, when you do this, remember me. And he took the juice, he took the juice. It's a lot of bread. And he took the cup and he said, when you drink this, remember my blood that was spilled out for you. Thank you, Jesus, for loving us well, thank you for the reminder um, of communion, that we get to do it together. Thank you for loving us in the midst of struggle, in the midst of success, and thank you for guiding us throughout. And it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you guys for being with us this week. Uh, again, happy Mother's Day. Uh, moms, we, uh, we would not be here without you, so we appreciate you, we love you. Um, I hope uh, husbands and kids have planned something great for you today. And uh, I hope you have more pancakes than you can dream of, more smelly flowers than you could possibly imagine, and more chocolate than you will eat in a month. And we look forward to seeing you guys soon. Have a great week. Your stomach off. Yeah. <laughs> Hopefully the music will still be playing, so it'll <laughs> cancel some of that out. I almost started cracking up there. <laughs> I legit had to bite my tongue, like, you know that? Yeah. <sighs> <sighs>